Welcome to the Brigham Medical Education Research Podcast. We will be discussing Brigham authors and their medical education research. I am your host, Caitlin DeCastro. I'm here today with Dr. Jason Prodarelli to discuss his publication in the Journal of Surgical Education entitled Performance Coaching for Practicing Surgeons Enhancing Clinical Performance, Well-Being, and Training Experience. Hi, Jason. Thank you for joining me today. Great to be here. What got you interested in this topic, and how did you come up with your hypothesis? So this topic of surgical coaching I first came across back in medical school, so it was about five years ago now. I did an extra year while I was at University of Michigan Medical School. I did a master's program in clinical research, and while I was doing that year, I was working with a group of bariatric surgeons that had a surgical quality collaborative in Michigan, and they were starting to do a coaching program for improving their technical skill with a couple specific bariatric operations. And from my personal experience and personality of of always wanting to look how to do something better and how to improve, and my personal background in having played a lot of sports, coaching made a lot of sense. My clinical interests in medical school were surgery, and now I'm a surgical resident. And so Combining all of those made a whole lot of sense for why wouldn't you want to have a coach in surgery. And so I wasn't able to work on it specifically at the time in medical school, but as I was looking for residencies to be at in general surgery, Brigham was a place that I wanted to be for multiple reasons. One of them being that I heard there was interest in surgical coaching program. And so as I was in the middle of general surgery residency, we do a couple of years of professional development time and through that time, I found where this surgical coaching work was going to be happening, and that was through Ariadne Labs in Boston, which is a joint venture between the Brigham and Women's Hospital and the Harvard School of Public Health. And so I'm currently doing a research fellowship there where the surgical coaching program in Boston is taking off. And so last year was our first year, 2018 to 2019, where we ran a surgical coaching program for practicing surgeons as a professional development initiative that was focused on intraoperative performance. And so we called the program Surgical Coaching for Operative Performance Enhancement, or SCOPE. And the article that you referred to in the journal, Surgical Education, was really a perspective article hypothesizing about several of the areas that coaching could benefit surgeons in practice. And the title emphasizes those three areas, which are individual clinician performance improvement, individual surgeon well-being, and then also the idea that by focusing, practicing surgeons' performance improvement, that subsequently trainees' experience will also improve from that. So over the past year, we conducted a program and studied it from a research perspective as well. We addressed some of those points that were in that perspective article, specifically performance improvement and, and focusing on technical skills and non-technical skills for surgeons. We scratched the surface on surgeon well-being, and we haven't yet explored the angle of trainee experience improvement. But as a trainee myself and somebody who's running it, it seems very clear to me, but we haven't yet to produce that data. Now, this is a preview of work that your group is doing in surgical coaching, that you have three manuscripts being reviewed for research currently, correct? That's correct, yeah. How did you design that study? So... Since this is the first year that this was done in Boston, we really considered it a pilot study. There's three other main areas in the country where coaching work is happening in surgery, 
And there are different timelines with different research focuses, different quality improvement focuses. So this is still very much in the in the early stages. So last year, being the first year that we did this program in Boston with practicing surgeons, we focused it as a pilot study. That being said, even though you think of pilot studies being small, we didn't have specific recruitment numbers or sample sizes that we were targeting, but we did have specific research aims that we were hoping to study through this QI pilot. And so we ran it as an implementation study. And so essentially it was a prospective cohort study without a comparison group where we recruited surgeons from one of four hospitals in Boston. So that was Brigham and Women's, Mass General, Beth Israel Deaconess, and Boston Children's. Each hospital had a point person. It was a faculty surgeon who served as the coaching champion, and they recruited their own colleagues who they thought might be interested in this idea of surgical coaching for performance improvement. And so in total, we had 46 surgeons that we were able to include across these four hospitals in our research evaluation of the QI program. And the surgeons were spread out fairly evenly across surgical specialties, across the four hospitals. And the research aims that we had were threefold. The first was, does coaching improve surgeons' surgical skill in the operating room? And so we focused on technical skills, meaning like how to perform an anastomosis, how to suture, how to tie gently, and also non-technical skills in the operating room, meaning leadership and teamwork and communication, decision-making, some of the cognitive aspects of surgery. We also wanted to know the second aim was how do participants experience the coaching program. This surgical coaching program is really addressing two related, somewhat different aspects of professional practice in surgery. One is an educational or professional development, or you could even argue patient safety or quality of care perspective in that once surgeons finish their residency or fellowship, they rarely have another opportunity to focus one-on-one with another surgeon to receive feedback and focus on improvements in their own practice. Oftentimes, people are on their own for the other 20, 25, 30 years of their career after they finish their fellowship. The second angle is really a cultural issue that surgical coaching is attacking head-on, really, and that the notion that surgeons in practice often aren't used to having another colleague in the operating room, not just there to help out if you needed a consultant during the case, but somebody who's specifically there to observe you doing surgery, to make notes, and then actually to focus on your performance afterwards by giving you feedback and helping you set goals for what to improve on going forward. That just doesn't happen currently in surgery. And so that's the cultural aspect that this is that this program addresses. So the second research aim was how do participants experience the coaching program, knowing that this could be uncomfortable, there might be some anxiety that comes about because of this, and there could be some awkward situations that come up from this, and we wanted to be able to capture that so we could address it. The third research aim for this past year was studying how do the coaches actually perform? Are the coaches actually being effective in doing their job? Because when it comes down to it, all of the participants in this study were full-blown practicing surgeons. So this is an extra thing on top of their full-time day job as being a surgeon. And so we wanted to know, does the training that we provide for surgeons to become coaches and use coaching techniques actually play out in their actual coaching sessions? What did your research show? So we 
First, we're most interested in how does coaching affect certain performance in the operating room. So we got great responses from the qualitative data, and that was from the interviews that we did with surgeons afterwards. A lot of the surgeons reflected on how the coaching program made them more thoughtful. They were more aware inside and outside the operating room, which was interesting. They talked about how they were they felt like their communication was better with the rest of the team, the nurses and the anesthesiologists in the operating room, and that teamwork skills improved. Most of them said that they weren't able to specifically identify how their direct patient care was affected, but clearly these other aspects of communication, teamwork, awareness in the operating room are certainly things that are known to affect patient care. And so we were able to pick that up from the qualitative responses. We also tried to quantify this, and unfortunately the quantitative data didn't pan out. We tried to measure surgeon technical and non-technical skills using validated scales that have been used before in resident settings and occasionally for practicing surgeons. And the way that we were able to measure that was by having the coaches who were directly observing surgeons in the operating room provide assessments of the coachee's performance. We had the coachees, so the surgeon who is receiving the coaching but actually doing the surgery, give self-assessments of their own technical and non-technical skills. Maybe not surprisingly, everybody rated themselves and the coaches rated the coaches at the top of the scale for all of their coaching sessions. And we weren't able to detect much variation. Of course, that was partly based on the limited resources that we had for a pilot study. We weren't able to provide truly objective measurements. And so there was some bias associated with that design of measurement for technical and non-technical skills. So for this initial study, we weren't able to detect it, although we could certainly make a, a lot of improvements in the way that we measured certain interoperative skills. From the exit interviews, we learned a lot about implementation recommendations for surgical coaching programs. And really without variation, almost all the coaches and coaches agreed on a few key aspects of how the coaching program should be run, particularly that the coach-coachee pairing process is a really critical aspect of what we asked the surgeons to do three coaching sessions. The first session was really important for getting things going on the right foot. And there are some external factors such as support from leadership in the hospital or buy-in from the rest of the operating room team that really made for a more pleasant experience and helped people enjoy their coaching sessions a lot. So what we initially learned is early on, surgeons currently seem to prefer that the coach and coachee are within the same specialty Not necessarily that they do the exact same thing, but at least an orthopedic surgeon would be paired with an orthopedic surgeon. One orthopedic surgeon might do sports medicine, one might do hand and wrist specifically, but they uh, at least are in the broadly same specialty, and that seemed to result in more positive experiences. The last angle was focusing on the the coach's effectiveness, and so we conducted a three-hour training that was mandatory for both coaches and coaches at the beginning of the whole program. And we tried to audio record as many of the post-op coaching sessions as we could. And then we analyzed the post-op audio from a qualitative perspective to understand the coaching techniques that were used compared to a historical cohort, which used about half of the effective coaching techniques. The surgeons in our study were able to demonstrate all of the effective coaching techniques, which was great. We weren't able to capture that data for every coach-coachy pair, but from the sample that we did get, we got pretty reliable evidence that the surgeons are able to pick up these coaching techniques and actually use them with their colleagues, which was exciting and promising for the future. What kind of response have you received thus far? 
it's interesting outside of surgery anyone that i would talk to about this program is like well duh like why don't we do this all the time why don't surgeons have coaches within surgery as i mentioned with some of the cultural aspects and just the way that things have been done in the past it's somewhat of a mixed bag there's a handful of surgeons that think this is a great idea and they're not surprisingly the first ones to sign up to try these programs out there's a handful that are probably in an older school mindset that would prefer not to have a coach in the operating room observing them and giving them feedback and what comes down to it as great of an idea this sounds you can't force anybody to receive coaching this is meant for people who believe that they have room to improve no matter where they are in their career and so even among that group that was interested to sign up for the program that was still you know we had people that had an excellent experience and they they rated the sessions that they had very highly with their coaches and some people really didn't have a good experience even though they believed in the concept so from those different groups in our study we actually learned a lot about the right way to pair people up the right way to run the programs and those were some of the implementation lessons that we took out from it so overall it's been quite positive and there's a lot of interest even at the national level in the last year or so from the American Board of Surgery. So this has some legs and I expect in the next few years it will become more formalized and hopefully on the national level there'll be a network where surgeons who want to get a coach can do so and surgeons who want to be a coach can also do that. Well, Jason, it was a pleasure meeting with you today and thank you for discussing your study with us. Yeah, thank you for asking me about it. Special thanks to the Brigham Education Institute at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and thank you for listening.